May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. One of the occupational hazards of being a priest and wearing a collar out in public is that one implicitly invites conversations with strangers. And not always conversations of the small talk variety, but sometimes conversations that start with something like, Reverend, do you think we're living in the end times? I never quite know how to answer that. Although, as I look at the news and listen to what's going on in the world, I wonder too, are we living in the end times? Look around, there's war, climate change, foreign interference in democratic processes, cultural wars between the alt-right and the woke left, inflation, income inequality, banks collapsing. Are we living in the end times? Well, Jesus' disciples were asking a very similar question, although for a different set of reasons. They've just been to Jerusalem. Now, for these Galilean fishermen, this might be the first time they've ever made it down to the big city with the big buildings and the temple. And they're looking around and they're in awe. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, look at this great building, the temple. Isn't this amazing? And Jesus says to them, Oh yeah, have a look. It's all going to come down, stone by stone. And the disciples, without missing a beat, they say, Well, when? When's this going to happen, Jesus? When are you coming in power and bringing in the end of the age? Okay, they might be asking the question a bit differently than we are, but they're asking, are we living in the end times, Jesus? And Jesus very quickly moves the conversation in another direction, reframes the question. Instead of asking, are we living in the end times, Jesus wants to ask, what will we do with the time that is given to us? What will we do in that time between now and the end, whenever that end will be, and whatever that end will look like? So Jesus tells this story about a very wealthy man who decides to go on a long journey, and he leaves all of his possessions to his servants, and he doesn't say when he's coming back. He gives them talents according to their abilities. Now, by the way, for those of you who don't know about the monetary value of a talent. One talent is worth about 15 years wage for your average worker. 15 years wage for an average worker. So he gives one of his servants five talents. He gives another one two talents, and he gives another one one talent. And those first two servants get busy right away. And they put that money to work, and they make a great return, a 100% return. But that third servant, plays it safe, digs a hole, and puts the money in there. Now, this really is the safe thing to do, because in those days, banks were not what they are today. Well, <laughs> banking was still a pretty new concept. And there's no guarantee you were going to get any interest on returning your investment. You may end up losing it all. So he was playing it safe. He makes the safe play. But then the master comes back. 
And he sees that this third servant has done nothing with this money, just put it in the ground. And he's furious. You could have at least tried. You could have at least tried to do something with it. You could have given it to the bank. Maybe we get something out of it. The master seems okay with the risk. In fact, I think the master likes the risk, prefers the risk. And then the master gets harsh and says, uh, it calls this a wicked servant and says, let's take everything that this guy had, give it to the guy with the now who has the 10 talents. We want, this guy will have nothing. And let's throw him up into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For those who have been tracking over the last few weeks, Jesus has been telling these parables. And every now and then, and more often than not it seems lately, Jesus will say something very harsh like this, and sort of leave us scratching our heads. When we got to the end of that Gospel reading, and we said, the Gospel of Christ, praise be to God, <laughs> I felt a bit ironic to me with the way that Gospel ends, with the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Um, but Adam said something very helpful to us last week in his sermon, that Jesus is fond of using hyperbole to get our attention. He's exaggerating to make a point. He's saying, listen, what I have to say is important. Pay attention. We don't necessarily have to read these parables in an allegorical sort of way where every detail in the story lines up with some spiritual reality, right? So as if God is this master and everything we read about this master, we can say that that's true of God. We don't have to read it and say, well, God gets very angry with those servants who go and hide their talent in the ground and cast them up with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't have to read it that way. We can read it to say, all right, Jesus is saying, this is important, listen up. You're anxious about the end, he says to his disciples. You're anxious about what's coming ahead. But that's outside your control. Don't worry about that. I want you to focus on getting on with doing what you can with what you have in the time you've got. It isn't a coincidence that this word that's used as a unit of currency, talent, comes into English to mean something like aptitude or skill. Actually, this is the etymology of our English word talent. It comes from this story. It's pulled straight from here and over centuries of interpretation uh, that has ceased to become a, a term for currency, but more a term for the things that we are gifted at and good at. And gift is a good word for talent, isn't it? Because now there's some talent that we cultivate through hard work, but there are some skills that we possess that we just seem to have. Through, through no effort of our own, there are things we are just good at. These seem to be given to us as a gift, just as our life is a gift, and just as these servants in the story are given these talents as a gift to work with. And so we can read this story maybe on two levels. Jesus is inviting us to make the most of the talent given to us, literally in the sense of the money that's given to us, and also in the sense of the skills and gifts and abilities that are given to us. As I look out of this congregation, there are some faces I recognize, and there are some faces that I don't, or at least people I don't know as well. I'm going to welcome you into this moment of reflection because I'm going to talk about the finances of the church. 
So if you're not that familiar with our structure at Christ Church, I'll fill you in a little bit. Our annual cycle of uh, fiscal reporting runs from July to June. So our year end is June 30th. Back in the fall, in September, we had our annual general meeting, in which we passed a budget where we agreed together that we would plan for a year that would end with a $45,000 deficit. This is what we decided and agreed together. We would try for a year with a $45,000 deficit, coming out of a year where we had a $42,000 deficit, which, as I know some of the people in this room, and especially some of the people who sit on the management committee, this is a pretty fiscally conservative group, by and large. So that was a very interesting thing, that we said, you know what, we'll forecast a big deficit budget after a big deficit year. Well, our giving for this year to date is $30,000 ahead of budget. $40,000 ahead of this time last year. Well done, church. This puts us in a position where now we're projecting for the end of this year a $14,000 deficit. So still a deficit position, but way better than we were looking at the beginning of this fiscal year. Let me interpret that in light of this parable. As a church, we got together and we said, hey, we might need to take a chance here. We might need to take a risk. And those servants in this parable who took a risk, the one with the five talents, the one with the two talents, they went out and they traded and they took a risk. It didn't have to go well for them. Fortunately, it didn't. And what God said to them, or what the master said to them in that story, was, well done, good and trustworthy servants. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So a few months ago, we said, you know what? Let's take a risk. Let's invest in ministry and see what happens. And hopefully, we'll come up to the other side with God saying, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done, enter the joy of your master. And as I look around at our church, yeah, the finances are, are catching up, they're doing better, that's great. We're seeing a bit of a return on investment that way. But the real return is in the, is in the strengthening of the community. The real return is looking around and seeing new people integrated into this community of faith. The real return is seeing that people, when they're grieving and losing a loved one, have people coming alongside them and caring for them. The real return is when we try outside-the-box things like messy church as a fresh expression of church to try and reach new people with the good news of Jesus' love. They were trying these new things and we're seeing new faces. New people who can be impacted by this good news Next week, we're going to celebrate this in a unique way. We're going to have a place of a sermon, a conversation between members of our outreach committee and members of the Mirzai family, family from Afghanistan that we have been supporting since they've come to Canada and walking with them. So we're going to hear about you know, how the ministry of Christ Church is making a real impact in people's lives. Because when we talk about money in the church, it's not just about you know, keeping the lights on and the doors open. But it's about building capacity so that we can 
we can make the love of God known in the world. So we're, we're building capacity. We're taking risks and building capacity so that the love of God might be known. And the same goes for our talents, our skills, and our gifts. We could be sitting on all the money in the world. We could build this great capacity. But if we don't have people with talent and time who are giving themselves to this ministry that we have made capacity for, well, it's not going to go anywhere. On the back cover of your bulletin, the inside of the back cover, there's a welcome page. And on that page, there's a list of some of the different ministries of Christ Church. I want to encourage you to take some time and look at that list and think about and pray about, is there anything on that list that God is calling you to get involved with? Is there anything that God wants you to step out and take a risk and try? So take a look at that list, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate or give it to one of the clergy. If you look at that list and you see there's something missing, there's some important ministry that we're not doing. Maybe it's something we as a community need to take a risk on. Think about that. Make a note. And we'll think about that together too. Because the question really isn't, are we living in the end times? The question is, how will we live in the time that we have with what has been given to us? What will we do with the good news that God has given to us? Will we bury it in the earth? Or will we take risks? We take risks with our time and our talent and our treasure and find that in those moments of risk, there is the joy of our Master.